is the Pilot Life Podcast, the show that covers all topics of aviation. My name is Ray Maldonado, professional pilot and instructor. Thanks for tuning in and making your choice to become a better pilot. In this show, we do not only motivate and inspire, but give insight to the aviation lifestyle. Let's get started. Welcome back. It has been far too long. I am happy to announce that 2023 for the Pilot Live podcast will be a huge year. We're going to have new content coming your way, new reamping of the whole show, and possibly a new co-host that could be permanent. We shall see. All right, so today's episode, we'll be talking about emergencies. And in particular, this question came from one of the listeners, George. He asked... If I have ever found myself in a situation where it is very stressful, high pressure, and scary situations that give me nightmares. And I thought that was a great question considering the accident that we saw happen in the aviation community last month in November. Some of you probably know what I'm talking about already. The one that happened in Dallas. We'll get to that. But first, let's go ahead and talk about the emergencies. What to do when you encounter an emergency, what's it like, and how to prepare for them. And last, what have I done? Because any professional pilot out there, doesn't matter what level, how many years they've been doing this for, they have encountered at least one emergency in their career thus far. If not multiple, just depends. <laughs> it has a lot to do with the aircraft, the pilot, the time. There's a lot of factors that go into it, okay? Now, let's first start with what is an accident? What is a crash? Now, those are actually a little different, and depending on what definitions you're using, pure the far aim or your own or the media's. The media loves aviation accidents, crashes, whatever they are. They like to blow them up and put them out of proportion. That's not what we're going to do. What we're going to do is go ahead and talk about how to get yourself out of those situations and to make sure that you're more than prepared for whatever comes at you. So to answer the question, I have been put in high-stress situations. I consider flying to be high-stress. Now... Over time and over the years, as you start going through your flight training and as you become a professional pilot and you do this for a career, the stress goes down. You get used to it. You understand the job and you understand the mission. Whether you are transporting passengers from point A to point B or A star celebrities from point A to point B to the CEO of the company. There's going to be a little bit of stress to each of those. But eventually you get to the point where it doesn't matter who's in the back. They're just another person. In the end, you got to get them from point A to point B as safely as possible. Now, talking about a scary situation or an emergency at work, I have faced a couple of those in my career thus far. More of them which happened when I was flying GA than they did in the jet. (laughs) But either way, I'm sure they're not going to be the last. And that's how it happens. When you're out there flying, 
the airplane's a machine. The machine's gonna break. And it's not like a car we could just pull over in the side of the road and, you know, call AAA. And somebody will come out and help you. You're up in the air, flying subsonic speeds, and typically you're somewhere in the 30s, if not even 40,000 feet. And guess what? You can't just pull over. You have to figure it out. I think that's also what I love and appreciate about aviation so much is how it puts you in a point where you can't rely on others. You have to do it yourself. So, but I'll give you guys a really good example. I'll give you two, actually. One of them, which happened when I was teaching and flying general aviation aircraft. And then the other one is in the jet. The first one, this was back when I was instructing a couple years ago. I was flying a Piper Aztec. It was a 1969 Piper Aztec. So <laughs> the airplane was a little dated. Definitely much older than I am. Um, but either way, it, it was a great airplane. And it was solid for instruction. Plenty of horsepower. It was fast. And it had a great useful load on it. And honestly, probably one of my favorite airplanes that back in my time when I was teaching. Probably one of my favorite airplanes to fly. So let me run you guys through the scenario where, <laughs> where I was. So, this was actually for an MEI candidate, a multi-engine instructor candidate. And we were going out, this was his checkride prep. I think he was only about one, maybe two flights away. I already signed him off. He was said he was just making sure he was proficient and he felt comfortable for the ride. And what was interesting was uh, everything went smooth. You know, there was no red flags, nothing happened negative that day. And it just came down to this one moment. We're out in the south practice area, probably around four or 5,000 feet, just south of the Bravo airspace. And something that I like to do a lot when I was multi-engine instructing was I would simulate failing the engine when the student wasn't looking. I was trying to make it as real as possible. So that one day when you do have an engine failure, God forbid you never have engine failure, you're ready for it. You know what to do. You're not looking for somebody to either, you know, pull a mixture, pull a throttle, turn off a fuel tank. You're not looking for something. You are ready for that scenario when it happens to you unexpectedly. So like I mentioned, we're down south up at five, four or 5,000 feet. What we did was a clearing turns before the maneuver, right? So we did one to the left, and then we did a clearing turn to the right. And as we were doing it to the right, when he wasn't looking, what I did is I failed his right engine. So I just went up, grabbed the throttle, pulled it back to idle. And when I did that, we went through the whole scenario, right? So what are we going to do? We're going to secure the engine. He runs the checklist. He secures the engine and then stops the prop in mid-flight, just like you're supposed to. He secures it. I'm happy with it. Solid technique. He was confident. So I was like, all right, show me to restart. So he does the mid-air restart. And this is where things got a little interesting. So he followed that checklist verbatim, step by step. But keep in mind, the aircraft is from 1969. It's a little old at this point. And maybe everything on the checklist doesn't work like it used to. As he followed each step in that checklist, he was unsuccessful in restarting that engine. So granted, we're in a multi-engine airplane, there's one engine running, and then the other one is not. 
we're totally fine i mean that's why airplanes are made with two engines so no matter what hopefully you have at least one going he must have been there for about two to five minutes kept trying to do that restart and you could tell the starter was cranking and there were cylinders trying to fire because every once in a while you kind of see one catch but it wasn't enough and probably after his third or fourth attempt, he kind of looked at me and he was starting to get worried. To be totally honest, so was I. <laughs> because I haven't gone four, five, six, or seven attempts without the engine actually starting in the air. I've only gone maybe one or two, and then the engine would catch right away. Now, after the fifth and sixth time is when I started to get a little concerned, but I couldn't let him know that. No, not a chance. You're the instructor. You're supposed to be confident. And you've seen this before. Right? <laughs> I have not, no. I've never been in that situation, but I couldn't let him know that. I needed him to have confidence in me. Even though I may have not had total confidence in myself in that scenario, but guess what? I was going to figure it out. Worst case, we're safe and we're going to go land on one engine. Not a big deal. That's why we trained for those scenarios. But here we are, sixth restart. So I start really looking at everything. I know he did all the items on the checklist. We're not doing anything different than we did any other time. And not just with me and this particular student. I'm talking about me and that airplane in general. When I have had to restart an engine, did I do something or did I oversee something different than what has been done in the past? No. Everything was exactly the same. So I started going through that checklist, and I started looking at the switches that we had on. One of the items on the checklist said, fuel pump on. He still had the fuel pump on after all this time. And I started to think about it. Well, if the fuel pump is on, it's pressurizing the system. Is there a chance that it's pressurizing the system too much, and it's flooding the engine? Maybe. Maybe not. There's only one way to find out. So we turned off that fuel pump to the engine that was trying to be restarted and then what we did is we cleared the cylinders so I was thinking maybe it's flooded maybe the electric fuel pump kept pumping so much fuel into those cylinders that they're flooded so no matter how much fuel and spark that we add to those cylinders is not going to generate any kind of combustion so we turned off the pump and I told him just to crank it for a little bit Crank it for a couple times, 30 seconds or so, just to clear out the cylinders. And you could tell immediately, as soon as the excessive amount of fuel in those cylinders was out, that engine was firing again. And just like that, we were good to go. But it really got me thinking of, wow, this is what we trained for. This is what we talk about, that we can't actually restart an engine. So I was thinking that I was going to have to go all the way back to our home airport on one engine nothing wrong with it but it does increase your workload a little bit and definitely the stress in the situation goes up quite a bit was it a extreme dire situation no of course not but it definitely was one that got my blood pumping now as for the jet I haven't encountered anything, knock on wood, I haven't actually encountered any dire scenario or emergency in my time flying jets in the past couple years. 
Um, no pressurization, hydraulic, electrical, nothing like that, actually. There's two that really stand out. One, when I was on the ground, and it turns out my starter went out. Not a big issue. The only reason that was actually pretty stressful was because I had a heart on board. It was a organ transplant pickup, and my engine didn't start when I was trying to get out of there with the heart in the back. So that was really unfortunate and got my blood pumping, but it was definitely wasn't any one of those like, okay, I have A or B, you know. There's only A option in that scenario. The other one was actually when I picked up a considerable amount of ice. And this ice was us going into DFW. This was a, a charter. We were picking up uh, two passengers in DFW, and then we were going to Teterboro. Well, this was, uh, what was it, January or February? I want to say it was actually February, where some of the more colder time of the year is. And there was ice airmets out there going on in into the descend. Not a really big issue. Now, this was during the time when I was still fairly new to the jet, okay? And I actually did have my anti-ice on. There's only one thing that I actually forgot to turn on. One anti-ice windshield i had the wings going i had the stab going you know of course you got peter heats those stay on all the time and we also had knack heat on and the last one was the windshield heat i honestly didn't think i was gonna need it i was just thinking leading edges engines i'm good <laughs> or so i thought i was <laughs> so must have been going around passing through 12,000 feet 12 or 10,000 feet we had icing all the way up I think almost to the ground and we started to pick up a little traces of it It wasn't a really big issue we had the anti-ice on so it was melting it all immediately but then when we really got into the bad stuff it was right around 4,000 if I remember right and right through 4,000 feet, our windshield totally iced up. And I'm not just talking about, nah, you got a little bit of frost. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm talking about an inch of, ah, I would say half an inch to an inch of solid ice built up on our windshield. And looking at that, I was like, well, we need the, <laughs> we need the windshield heat. Let's kick it on. And we did so. But the problem and the issue here was that we actually were being vectored in for the approach. And as you're being vectored in from the approach, I mean, you only have a couple minutes until you land. So I remember we flipped the switch. We have it going. This hot bleed air is coming to the windshield, and I saw it doing absolutely nothing. That's when it started making me nervous of, oh, crap. If I can't see out this windshield, we can't land. And we're going to have to go back up into the crap again. So, luckily for us, during that time, what I ended up doing was slowing it down the best as possible, and what we did is we continued on to the approach, all the way down to minimums, and luckily, we're a couple hundred feet away from breaking out at our minimum altitude, per the plate, and it actually started breaking apart where I could see now. You know, now granted, it was a solid line where you could tell the bleed air was coming out, but it was just enough for me to say, I got the runway inside, we're landing. But it got me thinking of, okay, if I can't melt off this ice, 
what am I going to do? <laughs> plan B was actually going to be just going around, going back up into it. Oh, well. But we're just going to keep all the anti-ice on no matter what. And come back. Do a go around. Come back around. And do the approach again. Luckily, the ice melted just before we landed. So we're able to land safely. No problem. Now, as I mentioned in the start of the show, emergencies. Emergencies are a huge part of being a pilot. Throughout all your training to become a pilot, you're constantly training for emergencies. You are constantly preparing yourself for when you encounter that scenario that you are more than ready to take it on. A great example is especially when you are flying jets, okay? You're in simulators. That's how you do your tests, that's how you do your training, your proficiency, everything is done in a simulator. Which is pretty damn nice because you could go in there and do, I don't know, say the craziest scenario you want to throw out there. You can put it together and go test it out yourself. And in the GA world, you don't really have that luxury where you're like, hey, what does it feel like to, I don't know, have a flat tire on the runway as you're landing? You just don't get those simple things like that because in the simulator, it's a giant video game. If something goes wrong, you go off the end of the runway, start all over again. Oh, hit the reset, let's try it again. In general aviation, you don't have that luxury. But in general aviation, you're also not going, you know, 150 miles an hour before you land (laughs) so when you're going 60 miles an hour it makes a huge difference you got a lot more time to react (laughs) but like i mentioned emergencies is what we train for it's what we prepare for and no matter what a proficient pilot is always learning so that they're ready for that scenario when they encounter it on that given day It is not to say that there isn't crashes there isn't accidents and there isn't times where things go wrong because absolutely We're humans. We make mistakes. We all make mistakes. I make mistakes. But the biggest and the most important part about each and every mistake that I make is I try to learn from them. And hopefully you do too. So in the few scenarios where I have felt like I'm being tested and it could potentially be a really big emergency. I first soak it in. I evaluate what's going on. Even if it feels like it's in eternity, in reality, it's only maybe about two or three seconds. I think about what I need to do and how I'm going to get out of it, and then I react. Because I have seen plenty of times, especially when I was teaching new students how to fly, I've seen plenty of times where they just start flipping switches, moving the airplane, and they're not even thinking. They're just trying to react to something without even thinking, and the, the, the outcome is never good. So, like I mentioned, I first think, I soak it all in, and then I react to what's given to me at that given moment. Now, let's talk about the accident that happened last month. Last month in November of 2022, during an air show in Dallas called Wings Over Dallas, Two airplanes collided, killing six people. I think this is a really key point in talking about emergencies and stressful situations when you think about these six pilots that in age had so much flying experience. 
And as I mentioned previously before, accidents happen, mistakes happen. Now, granted, in this kind of scenario, there's no reacting. There's basically nothing you could do. And now, this isn't me giving my two cents on what I think happened. Because if you guys go and you research this crash, you could see, and everybody has their opinion of what happened, who's at fault, or whatnot. I'm not here to dispute anything about this particular crash is my condolences go out to the family because it was a terrible crash and especially in something in a time in an air show that is supposed to be fun it's supposed to encourage other people to get into aviation it's supposed to show what aviation does and now when we think about this wings over dallas show we think about this horrendous crash that never should have happened in the first place and talking now going back and talking about the emergency in this particular case there was yes it was an absolute dire emergency but there was no chance in hell you were going to do anything about it this was one of those that as soon as it happened their fate was sealed and this is a great example of bad things happening to good people they were just out there showing their love for aviation with others as well and it's extremely unfortunate that it happened to end this way for them. But like I've said in past episodes before, aviation is extremely safe. But when things go wrong, they get bad. This isn't to scare anybody or to show any kind of fear. But when pilots get into that airplane... They know what they're doing. They understand the risks. They understand the risk. And let me tell you, especially if you are a nervous flyer and you think that, oh my gosh, I'm going to get in this airplane and I'm putting my fate in somebody else's hand. Well, technically, yes, yes, you are. But let me tell you, those guys in the front that are flying this aircraft, whether the airplane has two to three seats or maybe to several hundred seats, those guys in the front are worrying about themselves. They're trying to get themselves on the ground safely because they know if they can accomplish that, you in the back, you are perfectly fine. There is nothing that's going to happen to you if they could get on the ground safe. That's the goal. When you're out there flying, safety is the number one priority. Let me give you guys a really good example that just happened to me recently, actually. It was a medical and it happened to be during the night where a huge front was passing through the Midwest, and this front brought crazy weather along with it. Thunderstorms and tornadoes. Strong thunderstorms that all night were putting on one hell of a light show. (laughs) There was so much lightning. And then on the ground, there was a couple places in Alabama and Georgia where some tornadoes did touch down. And they sent us out there flying during that time. Great. (laughs) Well, that's what being a pilot's all about. They're going to put you in scenarios and situations that make you feel uncomfortable. We have to make the best out of it. And then no point during that flight were we ever unsafe. We stayed miles from them. We got above them. And we were making sure that no matter if we had any kind of real-time emergency, I could still get down safely. Without putting anybody in real danger. 
So luckily for us, the way the timing worked in each leg of us either waiting for them to procure the organ or waiting for them to put the organ in the recipient, during those times that we were down on the ground, actually gave the storm time to move out of the way into our arrival airports. So that night, it worked out absolutely great. Well, like I mentioned, it doesn't always work out that great. And that's why, as pilots, we're always prepared, we study, we constantly review our procedures, our emergencies, our memory items. So no matter what, we're ready for that emergency. Well, I hope you guys enjoy the episode. If you guys have any questions or comments, you guys could go ahead and email me at thepilotlifepodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media. We're on Instagram and on TikTok. I'll talk to you guys on the next one.